0: Hey, good morning, good to see you, watching online, up top, overflow, coffee shop. Hope you're ready for a great day today. Hey, we're in a series called Naughty, uh, spelled K-N-O-T-T-Y, a little play on words for you. Uh, it's a relationship series, and we're uh, really kind of somewhere on this idea of that you tie the knot, now what? Uh, and hey, this is here if you're here and maybe your marriage is doing great. Uh, I believe these principles will still help you out. If you're struggling in your marriage today, I believe this is going to help you with some tools. If you're divorced or you're, you know, on the other side of that, I believe this will help you. If you're dating, if you're hoping to be dating, if you're just wanting someone to swipe right on your picture, this series will help you out. I believe it will be really powerful. Um, There's a book that I... I think would be great for you to pick up. It's called The Marriage Knot, Seven Choices to Keep Couples Together. You can get that off Amazon. I know several people reached out this past week uh, to get a copy. And so I would love for you to get that. You can also audible it. um, And so you can listen to it if you're a driver or whatever. You can listen to it in your car or work or whatever. I think it would be great. Listen, we get this whole series and we base it around this idea from Ecclesiastes. It says this in Ecclesiastes 4, that a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. And too often in life, we do life alone. We think we can do it ourselves. We don't need help. And then we end up defeated. You're going to be attacked. It says, but two can stand back to back and conquer three or even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And what we're talking about here is having God as the basis for our relationship. So if God comes first, then you will have your spouse and then yourself and in that order you will find that your relationships will thrive. Uh, today we're going to talk about communication. Communication. We're going to talk about talking, all right? And I don't know if especially if you're like dating or if you're in a dating relationship right now, one of the I think one of the worst things to hear from the person you're dating is, "Can we talk?" And you're going to say, no, and you're like, you know, like things haven't been going well. They're going to break up with you. This is how it always happens. Can we talk? And I think there's one that's maybe even a little worse than that. It's maybe might cause you a little PTSD is, We need to talk, all right? We need to talk. No one wants to be in that conversation. We're like, we need to talk. We're like, no, we don't need to talk. I thought things were going so well. It's been said that communication is to a relationship like blood is to the body. If you remove communication, there is no relationship. I love what George Bernard Shaw says. He says, the biggest single problem with communication is the illusion that it has taken place. Too often, I think, we think we're talking, we're having a conversation, we're communicating. But the thing is, you're really not communicating. We're going to be in Proverbs a lot today. I love it because there was a guy named Solomon. He was king over Israel. And when he became king, his dad, you might have heard of him, his name was David. When Solomon became king, he asked God, God told him, you can have anything you want. Whatever you ask for, you can have it. You can ask for money. You can ask for, you know, fame. You can ask for riches. You can ask for women. You can, whatever you want, you can have it. And he asks for wisdom. And I love Proverbs because there's so many chapters where he's writing and it's like a story he's telling. He's making a greater point, And then there's a lot of just like one-off, like these are great one-liners. And we see in the book of Proverbs, Solomon says this in verse 18. He says, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. And I think that applies so often in marriages that a lot of times our spouse says something and then we just cut them down. Right? You ever been around a couple, like they're telling a story and their spouse is like, no, 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 this is how it was. And it's like, you said that part wrong. This is my favorite part of the story. And then they just kind of cut people down. And a lot of times in our marriages, we tend to cut people down with our words. Or we can actually bring healing with our words. The words that we say, the words that we speak can actually bring life in a relationship, but it's all in how we do it. And then there's some people that just aren't talking at all. And you might feel like John Mayer, say what you need to say, right, like say what you need to say. That's why he repeats that so often in that psalm because he was obviously frustrated with someone he was with at that time. If you would just talk and use your words, right? So... No, you're just going to leave me hanging out there. I throw a John Mayer out there like that. You just leave me hanging. That's fine. All right. So we want to communicate effectively. How can we actually do that? And we're going to see this from Proverbs. I'm calling it seven uh, communication rules for marriage, but you can just call this seven communication rules in general. Applying these seven principles, these seven things, are going to help you be better and more effective in your communication With anybody, specifically in marriages, but if you have friendships with your in-laws, with your coworkers, with the boss, with your employees, your neighbors, this is going to help you communicate better. The first thought is this. Speak truthfully. Speak truthfully. Now, it says in Proverbs 12, verse 19, it says, truthful words stand the test of time. Lies are soon exposed. And I think a lot of times, uh, too often, we are um, not truthful with what we think. And man, uh, this is setting up, right? Like being truthful. It's like, does this dress make me look too big? Like, no, it looks great. Like we, truthful, not brutal. I'm gonna leave that one between y'all, all right? You there, we're leaving we leave? leaving hang A lot of tension in the room today. All right, verse 22 says this, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell The truth, we need to be able to express ourselves being honest, not being brutal, but being truthful in a healthy way. We need to eliminate the lies in relationships. We need to stop lying to other people, being transparent. And I think really when it comes to marriages specifically, a lot of the times that we're talking and we think we're having conversation is just details, It's just details. Um, Hey, pick the kids up from here. Drop the kids off there. Did you get them from practice? Got to take them to the recital. When's the next game? When's the next thing? We got to go here. We got to do there. Did you get dinner? Well, do I need to pick up dinner? Go to the store and get these things. What things did you not get? I told you to get this thing. And it's just a lot of details in our conversations. We're not really talking. We're just sharing a lot of facts. What we need to do is kind of go back to those beginning stages and have an actual conversation. For those of you who are married, when was the last time you actually had a deep, meaningful conversation with your spouse that did not involve work, that did not involve your kids, but was just something that you enjoyed, something that you cared about, something that you were into, one of those types of thoughts. All right, uh, Aaron and I, we went out the other night and we're pretty good about putting our phones up and, and uh, not letting our phones be a distraction. I think that's number one, just a great way to connect in your relationship is when you're out to dinner with your spouse, put your phone away. All right, don't be on your phone. Uh, and then it's like, but I just tagged you in this post. Like, all right. No, have conversation with each other. So Aaron and I were out to eat, and um, I thought to myself, "All right, all right, we're gonna have conversation tonight. I'm not gonna talk about the church. We're not gonna talk about our kids. Tired of talking about them. All right? Let's talk about something we enjoy." And here we are having this great dinner, and you know what happened? There was a lot of awkward silence because you're like, "This is hard to do, right? Like, this is hard to like think of something to talk about." it's like, what do you like to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it felt like if this was the first date, there's not a second date. You know what I mean? And it was difficult. But then starting to think through and just us having conversation with each other, end up having a great conversation and we had a great time and it was really good, one for my soul, good for her heart, just to have that kind of connection, conversation. And I think it's okay to lean into that awkwardness a little bit because you want to learn about the other person. Who we are today isn't the same who we were 15 years ago. So if you're married, I would say, hey, have it. not tonight. Your husband's going to be checked out tonight. It's the Super Bowl tonight. Don't pick tonight as the time to try this experiment. What I'm saying is like another night, go out and, and you like try to have conversation with each other just about, Something random, something that you like been dreaming about, thinking about, something you enjoy, or like a new hobby, or whatever. Like, talk about that and just see how difficult it actually is to have conversation. That will show you how much you actually uh, have real conversation with your spouse. Here's the second thought be careful with your words. Be careful with your words. In Proverbs 10, verse 19, it says, Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. I love that. That's so good. Like that's like sometimes that's me. You know what I mean? Like I just need to keep my mouth shut. I don't always have to say the thing that I want to say. I need to be careful with my words. Then you go to Proverbs 15, verses 1 and 2. It says, a gentle answer deflects anger. Harsh words make tempers flare. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. Be sensible. Keep your mouth shut. Sometimes it's just best to not say anything when you're talking to the other person. So a lot of times, what is the tone that you're using with the other person? What is the tone that you use? You know, I try to use the fact that, like, my mom's Korean and, like, In my DNA, I come from a country that is still at war today, all right? My default response is anger. And I try to tell her, hey, this is not my fault. This is genetics. And she's like, it's only half of you. I'm like, it doesn't matter, it's 100%, right? It's 100%. Uh, This is an issue, right? Being careful with uh, your words. And that's a struggle really for me, uh, especially as like my kids get older, my boys get older. And yet I don't want to be harsh, And it's hard to be careful with your words. It's hard to say things like in your marriage and you know you say it and it makes you feel good in that moment. But then you see their face and you know you just kind of just wreck that person's day. And once you say something, you can't take it back. Once they hear it, they can't erase it. So what we can do is choose to say different things today. We can walk down a new path and we can speak life to the person. And that's really difficult, but that means you're going to have to be careful with the words that you say. Here's the third thought. Listen closely. All right, listen closely. Not just listen, listen closely. I love what Proverbs 18 says. Uh, It says, Proverbs 18, it says, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Hey, some of us, we only care about hearing our own voices. The Bible calls you a fool. And then in verse 13 it says, um, of uh, Proverbs 18, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. How many of us do that? Like we just go off on somebody before you get the whole story. And you're like, oh, well, why didn't you say that? Like I would have if you would have shut up, right? Like I'm like, all right, I didn't know. I didn't know you were gonna say this part. Maybe I should have listened. Listen closely. Fools don't listen. A lot of times in arguments, we're really not listening to the other person. We're already thinking about what we're going to say, right? We're already thinking about like, oh, I'm about to say this, right? And they're talking to us. We didn't even hear what they said. We heard like the last couple words and then we say what we want to say all over again. And we really need to stop Start listening closely. What are they saying to you? What are they not saying to you? Hey, if a spouse is not saying something to you, that is saying something to you. They're saying, I don't trust you enough to say this to you. You are not a safe person to say this to right now. Right? I've actually had, like, Erin, she's told me that before. She's like, hey, I want to be able to share this to you. I don't feel like you're a safe person. I don't know how you're going to react. And so if they're not saying something to you, that's also a sign that speaks up that you might not be the safest person to talk to. What does their body language say? What is their face showing? They might be saying words, but their face says something else. Right? You're like, ooh, like, I know I'm in trouble. Uh, Women have been blessed with, like, that look. And you're like, you don't want that one. You know, like the one, like, your mom gives you or, like, your wife gives you the look. Right? I don't know what it is. You don't want the look. So what is that saying? Communication is an art, and it takes a lot of practice. It takes time to perfect. I know for me... Uh, I have learned this, that if a TV is on, it doesn't matter what is on the TV. Uh, Aaron's trying to have a conversation with me, but I am locked into what is happening. Like, no, but you don't understand. Bluey's dad right now did something so funny. And this was a moment. And, and like, you get locked in. I'm like, I know what you're saying is important, but not as good as what Bluey's dad is doing. He is dad goals, right? And, oh, I know for me, we're going to have to go to a different room where there is no TV or we've got to turn the TV off. All right? And I want to listen closely to the things that she's saying. And when you listen closely, your relationships will improve. Which means kind of leads this, this next one leads into this next part. Respond slowly. Respond slowly. And Proverbs 25, uh, Proverbs 25, verse 15. It says this. Patience can persuade a prince. A soft speech can break bones. Patience, patience can persuade, but soft speech and soft speech can break bones. I love how James, the half brother of Jesus, says, it. He says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I am one of those that tend to respond immediately. Tell me something, I can give you an answer right now. This thing makes me mad right now. I'm upset, I'm frustrated right now. I have all the emotions. And one of the things I'm learning as I'm getting older, maybe it's just because I'm getting tired, (laughs) is to just slow down. I don't have to say it right away. One thing that I have been doing lately is processing what a person says to me. Like, I know, this is weird. There's this thing that we've all been given called a brain. It helps us think about the things that we are told. A lot of times I hear something and I just want to immediately say something about it. And if you've ever been around a person who just speaks their mind, you ever been around like, that person just speaks their mind. They're going to let you know what they think. Uh, I, tend to have, I have tended to be one of those people. When you're that type of person, it says, I really don't care what anyone else thinks. I don't care how this makes anyone else feel. I only care about saying what I want to say, which ultimately is a form of selfishness. And so what we want to do is respond slowly. Consider the feelings of other people. We all want it done for us, and yet many of us refuse to do that for other people. So think about the person, before I say this, Erin, she's great at this. She thinks about it. She's going to chew on something, and then when she says it, she really means it. Me, I'm just talking. (laughs) You know, the most words wins. That's kind of sometimes how I live. Like, hey, the most words wins. And I have crushed many arguments that way. But it's never helpful. So I'm learning to listen and respond slowly. Now, again, um, you want to be able to talk. Here is, again, conversation. Uh, Some of you, the way you're wired, you're naturally going to close down. You need to be able to share. And that's where we kind of go back to speaking truthfully. I would love to be able to share this with you right now. I don't think you're a safe person. Now, if you have someone saying that to you, Aaron has said that to me, that's not what you want in a relationship, right? Like, well, great. I can't wait to keep shutting you down, right? No, I don't want to be that kind of person. I want to be a person you can share things with. I want to be that person that you can open up to. So I need to be able to respond slowly, and that helps you understand your spouse, and that's also going to help you have healthy conversations, just responding slowly, which leads us to this next idea. Stay calm. Stay calm. Husbands, here's a marriage tip of the day. When your wife is upset, just look at her and say, calm down, (laughs) all right? I don't know why you're laughing. It works, just try it the next time. You young married couples, your wife gets mad and she's just upset. Just, "Hey babe, calm down." <laughs> just try it and then you tell me what happens, all right? But stay stay calm. Stay calm. Proverbs 14:29 says this. Says, "People with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness." So, Controlling your anger says you have understanding, but again, you're a foolish person if you continually allow your temper to get the best of you. 1727 of Proverbs says this, a truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. When you have a short fuse, it hurts the relationships around you. I mean, if if you're the type that blows up it's going to hurt the relationships you have around you. Losing your cool at home does not draw anyone in your house closer to God. And I know like that's difficult for me. Like Aaron's great. Cause like sometimes I like, I, I get mad, right? I'm starting to like, I'm going all in on this. And she's like, calm oh, down. I'm like, woo, all right, I'm gonna come back real quick. We're gonna talk about why it's not okay to bust holes on our wall. We're gonna talk about that in a second, but I'm gonna walk, I'm gonna take a lap, emotional lap right now. And when we come back, we're going to circle back to this, right? We're going to, we're going to talk. And maybe I can be a little more calm in the situation. But that means we have to understand our triggers. You and I all have triggers. And I know it's kind of like a buzzword in our society today. But you have triggers, things that set you off. What are your triggers? You need to understand that. Is it when you feel let down or unappreciated? When you feel like that, is that a trigger for you to like, lose your cool. Maybe for you, you have too many expectations from other people. You had expectations from your boss and from your family and from your kids and from your friends and then you come home and your spouse has expectations as they should, healthy expectations, and then it just sets you off. You have too many expectations from too many outside people. Maybe one of your triggers is you're unable to accomplish a goal. There's a thing that you're trying to do and you're unable to do it and that's a trigger for you. Maybe a trigger for you is when you feel like you've been treated unfairly or unjustly, like, hey, this situation is just not okay. That's a trigger for you. Maybe it's when you feel lonely or misunderstood. That could be a trigger for you. Uh, A trigger could be when you feel pressure or annoyed or frustrated. A, A trigger for you might be when you feel tired or hungry. Sometimes some of you just need a Snickers bar, right? Like, oh, that was, uh, that's why I'm frustrated, right? Like never go to the store right before lunch. It's the worst thing to do. It's the worst thing to do. You always get hungry. And, and let me say this, like, uh, Aaron and I now, like our youngest is seven years old. Uh, but for those of you with babies and toddlers, that is the worst stage, honestly, as a parent. It is horrible. Absolutely Horrible all right, because you're sleep deprived, you're not getting a lot of sleep. I mean, conveniently, I feel like husbands uh, can sleep through anything at night. And I'm like, what do you mean? I slept great last night. What did you mean you get out five times, you know, with the baby? I didn't hear the baby cry at all. Maybe if you ignored the baby, the baby wouldn't eat anything, right? I don't know. Uh, it's a horrible time, all right? And I will say that um, I think we were chewed children deep. It was one of those, like, times where, I didn't hear the baby cry, all right, but we were into glass bottles at that time, because that was what was better, and one of them landed uh, on my lip, all right, and I had to go to church the next day, right, so you just ask Aaron about that one. It was not a fun night, right, and I was like, cool girl, he just popped me on my lip, you know, I was like, what happened? I fell on the stairs, you know, you go to the thing, you know. It's a difficult time, all right? It's a difficult season, and you have to understand that maybe you're popping off at each other. It's because you're tired. There's something spiritual about naps sometimes, especially when you have them little babies, and it's okay. So, understand what is a trigger for you. Erin is great, like, she's honestly, she's great at helping me before I take things too far. And hey, I'm not perfect all the time. But I am better. And some of you just might need to say, hey, we're going to, this is a trigger for me. I need to just take a moment and we're going to continue this conversation in a second. Nothing wrong with doing that. Some of you might need to see a counselor because that trigger goes back to something from your childhood. And you need like biblical help to help you push forward uh, to become more even-tempered. Some of you just need to work on your anger uh, management and how you're responding. Why is your initial um, response such a short fuse? All right, so we're going to um, stay calm. Here's the sixth thought, stay humble. Communication, stay humble. In Proverbs uh, chapter 11, verse 2, It says, pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Listen, in a relationship, I know you know this, but it still must be said, you are not always right. I know, even in my relationship, it boggles my mind. Because I'm like, (laughs) Aaron, (laughs) things in our relationship would be so much better if you just listened to me. All the time. Uh, Stop thinking and let me think for you. And things will be great, right? Each person in a relationship does their part. There is fault. And I get it. Someone might be more wrong than the other person. But we each have our part. Humility keeps our pride in check. It says in scriptures that pride comes before a fall. So diffuse the situation. Diffuse the situation. So here are just some tips for how do you stay humble How do you stay humble when you're like arguing? How do you stay humble in a relationship? And you would be like this, be the first to admit you're wrong. Be the first to admit you're wrong. Hey, that's tough to do. Like, hey, I I was wrong. I messed up. Be the first one. Like in any relationship, hey, being the first to admit you're wrong, that will help diffuse the situation. Be the first to apologize. I'm sorry. What are you sorry for? Because I know I did something. (laughs) I know I did. Right? No, be the first to apologize. Be the first to apologize. Be the first to stand down, to admit fault, to admit that you sin. like, hey, I shouldn't have said that, that was across the line. Hey, I know that was hurtful to you and I said it anyways. Hey, I'm sorry, and then just be the first to fall down. Hey, be the first one to ask for forgiveness. I operate like this. When I go to bed and I wake up, bloop, it's like a brand new day, everything resets. All the scales reset back to zero doesn't work like that for my wife, all right? Uh, She carries over, all right? She carries over any unleft, unsettled situations. And I wake up, I'm like, man, what a great day to be alive today. And I'm like, why are you so crabby, (laughs) right? Because I left a situation unresolved. So be the first one to ask for forgiveness. Hey, here's a fifth thought. Um, Be the first one to stop the tendency to attack the other person. Maybe that other person says something to you. You don't have to say anything back, You don't have to say anything back. And we'll kind of say it like this: like, you don't always have to win. You don't always have to have the last word. Was that part just for me? (laughs) I have to remind myself: I don't always have to win. Uh, Aaron and I, we just had this conversation a couple weeks ago where we were arguing over like the dumbest thing of something that I read about that doesn't affect us at all. But she just had the wrong thought about it, (laughs) all right? She had the wrong opinion, she didn't have my opinion. And it was a whole argument. didn't even need to be an argument. And to which she said, we don't have to have the same thoughts. I'm like, I know that. This was dumb. I don't know why I chose to fight with you like that, right? You don't always have to get the last word in. Sometimes, hey, just truthful, like this is just like for real human part. Just in my heart I know I'm right. And it's okay. Like I don't have to say it out loud. I don't have to tell her, right? That's my struggle, right? I'm just, hey, I don't have to say the last word. I don't have to. You don't have to say the last thing. Hey, just stay humble. It's going to help you in your relationship. Here's the last thought. Get help when you need it. This one I'm uh, the most passionate about. But Get help when you need it. It says this in Proverbs 12, 15. Fools think their own way is right. But the wise listen to others. Too often we think we know what's best. We don't need anyone to tell us what to do. We know all the answers. We know where to go. We know what to say. If people just listen to you, if they just think about it, you don't need help. And the Bible will call you foolish. Then Proverbs fifteen twenty two says this. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Then it says in Proverbs 25, 12, to the one who listens, Valid criticism is like a gold earring or other gold jewelry, all right? In other words, you can't do it on your own. You need help. At Cornerstone, I pray that we're always a church where it's okay to not be okay. I don't want the Instagram church where we're like, bam, look at us, we're all good. But then really we're struggling behind the scenes. It's okay to be real. It's okay to have struggles. We call that being human. We all struggle. We're all going to mess up. There's going to be times the longer that you're here where like your season of life is not going to be your best season of life. And that's okay. For the longest time, I listened to the lies of the enemy that said, you can fix this. You don't need anyone else helping you. Hey, you don't need to talk to people about this. People will judge you. People will look at you differently. Don't tell anyone anything. You can do this on your own. You don't need help. Hey, you work for a church. You can't ask for help. And I listened to those lies for so long that it almost cost me my marriage. But it's been uh, over six years ago, I finally reached out to a friend. He's a biblical counselor. I said, hey, man, uh, I need some help. We need some help because I don't think this thing's going to work. And through counseling, I realized that we felt so far apart, but the reality was we were so much closer than I thought. We just needed help. And it was the greatest thing that we've ever done for our relationship. I'm not saying that we have the greatest marriage. What I'm saying is it's a stronger marriage. It's more grounded than it was over six years ago. You need help. Now, let me say you need the right kind of help. We live in a society today in America that. Um, is very self-help, self-care driven, all right? Now listen, you should take care of yourself, all right? Some of you, yes, like you should take showers, you should take care of yourself, you should eat your, all the appropriate things. You should take care of yourself, but American psychology and self-care is a bunch of garbage, all right? It's feeding you a lie, and that lie is ultimately gonna push you away from the thing that you want the most, What you need is grounded, someone who, like, knows scriptures, a a biblical counselor who can walk through life with you, who can break it down. Why? Because we want our roots to grow down deep into Christ so that his love will overflow through us. You don't need world psychology to do that. The answer is not medication. You might need it, but you need someone who's going to be grounded in the scriptures, who's going to help you move forward in your life. So the question for you is simply this. Is what you're doing right now working? Hey, is, if, is, is what you're doing right now, is it working? And then specifically for your marriage, is how you're communicating with your spouse working? If it isn't working, then it's time to do something new. The definition of insanity is repeatedly flipping a broken light switch and nothing is changing. If you're in the same cycle of your relationship and it's the same thing over and over and over again, it's time to start doing something different. So which of those seven things do you need to work on? Which of those seven principles, those seven rules? You might say, I need to do all seven of them. Don't overwhelm yourself by trying to do all of them at once. Just pick one thing. Pick one thing and work on that. Maybe for you it's staying calm. Maybe for you, it's listening closely. Just pick one and begin to work on that, all right? I think a lot of times it just, and I think this is just American culture, it's like we're going to show up to church, like, hey, they're doing a relationship series, uh, and we're showing up for a couple weeks, and you're like, you know what? I went like for a month, and it didn't work. God didn't work. It wasn't real, and then you leave, all right? Well, that's like saying Uh, I need to get in shape. Uh, I I need to get healthy. And so you go to the gym, you sign up for Planet Fitness because it's a dollar down. And you're like, all right, it's only $10 a month. And you show up for like three days. You're like, man, you feel tired. And after three days, you're like, I'm just not buff enough. It didn't work for me. And then you stop going to the gym and they're still charging you 10 bucks. Like they win, right? And you're like, it didn't work. Well, number one, you got to eat right. You got to be disciplined. And you gotta be consistent. You gotta keep going. If you wanna see something in your life, like such as going to the gym, then you've gotta be consistent with it. You gotta continue to work out. And over time, you're going to see that the process changes and you will change. The same is true for your relationship. You can't be like, well, I went to a counselor like twice and he wasn't helpful, she wasn't helpful. You gotta go more than twice, you gotta be consistent. Hey, when it comes to your faith, you got to go more than like to church like once every so often. Make it a part of what you do. Be intentional with your faith. You do the hard work and you will see that over time that God is going to change your life by applying these things with discipline. It's the only way to really get what you want. The best things in life take the most work. So it's time to start having some real conversations to get help and to look at these principles and say, all right. What do we need to do to get better? Because if it's not working right now, you want something more. Are your words cutting the other person down or are they bringing healing? Let's pray.